This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE IntelliNews. Russia's equity markets have been range-bound for about four years now. The RTS has been stuck at around 1,200. Yet within that, there's been a lot of action at the corporate level. The crisis has caused a consolidation, oil prices have risen, and some companies have been making very decent returns. On top of that is the dividend story. Russian companies are paying the highest dividends in the world. These good returns have started to spark some interest amongst international investors, and with the Fed now easing instead of tightening, a wall of money is headed towards emerging markets. Russia is not going to be popular or fashionable any time soon. But I talked to Slava Smolyaninov about some of the more interesting stories going on. So Slava, good to talk. Good to talk. Um, Russian equity markets, it's sort of been range-bound for really the last four years. The index is, uh, RTS is stuck at around 1,200. However, within the market, there's lots of interesting stories at the corporate level. Some companies have done very well, reported good results, and have seen their stock prices double in some cases. And at the same time, you've got this uh, um, amazing dividend story where Russian companies are paying the highest dividends in the world. So that they're uh, individual, very exciting stories. Maybe we should start actually with with more general. The, um, the There's been a lot of interest in the emerging markets in general because it seems clear that the U.S. Fed is now not going to tighten but ease, and there's been talk of this wall of money and the inflows into emerging markets over the first quarter have actually been really good. Uh, We've seen that in the bond market, that the Ministry of Finance has just had a record large OFZ auction. But is that going to affect the equity market? Because, of course, Russia still is plagued by these problems, the arrest of Calvi and uh, the, Im- uh, the imposing of new sanctions is on, on, on the cards. What, what do you think? I mean, how are these two things going to play together? Uh, yes, Ben, you brought up uh, quite uh, a range of uh, uh, interesting uh, issues and, and things that have been driving the market. Um, uh, to start with, uh, you're absolutely correct. The market has been rather range-bound uh, the last few years. Uh, sanctions and further pressure on Russia uh, is one of the reasons, but also the dislike for the emerging markets that has been in place uh, most uh, 17 uh, and, and uh, second half of 18 is another reason why Russia did not before. Uh, yet, uh, we need to mention that obviously in the meantime, the profits of the Russian companies, especially on the oil and gas side, that represent about half of most um, famous, most important Russian indices, uh, grew dramatically because Google weakened through the second half of 2018 and oil in dollar terms was climbing. So in terms of valuations, Russian market from the top of 10 times price earnings in 2017 derated to five times in the end of December last year. Since then, there was a little bit of interest um, into the market, uh, into the Russian market and in most other emerging markets as well. 
it, uh, uh, the market had a very good uh, strong start of the year, although it was lagging some, some other stars like Brazil, but uh, the start was pretty good. And currently, you're right, uh, the market is trading at a dividend yield for 12 months forward on our estimates, uh, more than 7%. This is the largest dividend yield for any major emerging uh, stock market out there. And even in developed markets, there are no dividends like that. Coming back to the oil and gas, though, I mean, the sector as a whole, according to your research, has only returned around 6% uh, since the start of the year, which is actually the, the worst performing sector. But within that, there's, we just were doing a piece looking at these big heavy weight stocks and the, the, there's three names that jump out of interest, which is Lukoil, Novatech and Gazprom. And Novatech and Lukoil, of course, being privately owned, they've done very well and their stock price has doubled in the last year, whereas the others, Rosneft and, and Gazprom, um, have not. They've been more or less flat. But Lukoil has got to the point now where it's on the verge of overtaking Rosneft in terms of its valuation, despite the fact that its reserves and its production are way smaller. What's going on there? It seems like the investors are really keen on Lukoil and they're kind of disinterested in, uh, in Gazprom Rosneft. It, what makes this com company so attractive? First of all, Lukoil is doing a very aggressive uh, buyback program. It aims to spend uh, more than $3 billion um, within a rather short period of time and is happy to share uh, the very high cash flows that the company is producing with the shareholders, not only via dividends, but also via buyback. So, in a sense, Lukoil has learned the lesson of uh, Western corporations, uh, especially buybacks are extremely uh, popular in the United States, um, and they are doing it very, uh, in a very in a pretty aggressive uh, fashion. Novatech has, has also been doing uh, buyback, but it's uh, nowhere close uh, in size compared to Lukoil. And given that the valuation of Lukoil is uh, sort of uh, twice as uh, cheap compared to Novatech, the impact on the stock price is actually much uh, obviously bigger uh, in the case of Lukoil. Gazprom um, has well, become extremely inexpensive, uh, and it has been a laggard in, uh, in terms of performance. Um, that's a state-owned company, so the big question how those cheap valuations of Gazprom will translate into better uh, cash in the pockets of uh, investors. So will dividends increase? how much the increase would be, what, what would be the yield. These are the questions that come around. Gazprom, uh, they, they've hinted very strongly that they're going to increase the dividends and possibly all the way to 50% as mandated by the, the finance ministry. Do, do you think that's going to happen? Isn't that going to make a big difference to the share price? No, no. We, we, we don't think it's going to happen uh, within the next, uh, let's say, even year or two. In fact, uh, if you go back and um, uh, see the history, the initial requirement for the companies, state-owned companies, to pay at least 25% of uh, profits as uh, dividends was initially put in place in 2011. Uh, then, two years ago, there was a special degree that required state-owned companies to pay 50% as dividends. But in none of those years, 
Gazprom ever complied. With, uh, this. And the reason has been that the company has got a very aggressive uh, investment program, which is very true. Um, yet, uh, the size of CAPEX is enormous. We're talking about dozens of billions of dollars. So, for three years, Gazprom uh, kept dividends flat in ruble terms. That was unattractive to investors. And finally, as you mentioned correctly, uh, they indicate that they are willing to increase that to uh, double digit in ruble terms, which is about 30% increase year on year from the previous one uh, on our estimates. And we think Gazprom has got very good, good ground to keep uh, paying more dividends in 2019, 20, and, uh, and uh, going forward. However, investors have been so much and so long disappointed with Gazprom that they will believe it when they see it. So, so that, that's another important potential driver that's, that's out there, but uh, this, uh, this it, it, it needs to be but isn't the big change uh, the, this CapEx program is coming to an end in so much as they said just this morning that the power of Siberia, the, the gas pipeline between Russia and China, is, is almost finished and that they expect to turn it on on the 1st of September. And when these big, huge infrastructure investments, that and Nord Stream, which is also due to be completed um, by the end of the year, when these CapEx programs drop away, won't the company have a lot more cash to spend when it's not building these pipelines, which presumably will go into dividends because the government wants that money too? Well, it's going to be, again, a combination of dividends and, uh, and still pretty aggressive capital expenditure plans. The reason being, Gazprom has got plans to move into uh, LNG as well, the liquefied natural gas project. They've got very ambitious plans to do one in the, uh, on the, in the Baltic Sea, uh, and the amount potentially to be invested is uh, more than $20 billion. So enough is never enough. Uh, Gazprom can uh, keep spending. But you, you're absolutely right that the Chinese pipeline is coming on stream, and uh, with North uh, Stream 2, potentially in place, uh, it does create higher base for free cash flows. So we sense that Gazprom will be also, in, uh, I mean, at the same time, increasing uh, dividends and um, and heavily investing steel. Uh, yet the base for, for higher dividends is definitely there. Right. You, um, we were talking before, and you mentioned from the raw materials, Alarosa, they're going to have a strategy day, uh, I think, at the start of next week, and uh, this has been, since its privatisation, which was a sort of test privatisation, it's been an outstanding success. I, I, is it going to continue to be attractive? you think this news coming up is going to affect it? Uh, Alarosa is one of the state-owned companies as well, state-controlled. Um, it's a, it's a big diamond uh, producer, number two in the world after De Beers. Essentially, Alrosa and De Beers is the global supply uh, of uh, diamonds. The company is reporting results um, on uh, Friday, um, and uh, it will have a capital markets day on uh, Monday. Uh, the stock promises to deliver about 11% high, well, more than 11% in terms of dividends, but we think that um, they, um, the company uh, will announce uh, those dividends 
either at the conference call with investors or perhaps at the capital markets day. Uh, that's one of the top stories, actually, in the terms of dividends and liquidity in Russia, and we have got that in our, in our dividend baskets. Again, looking at the sectors, the best performing sector year-to-date has been financials, and that usually means just Sparebank and Tinkoff. Uh, and Tinkoff reported this week record profits. Uh, is, but the, the stock price is down to around $18, which is around what it IPO'd at. It was up to 22 uh, Is that story going to continue to be attractive? Hasn't it run out of space, or do you think it's going to continue to grow? Well, with uh, Tinkoff, it's one of the stocks that we like. We actually like in the current circumstance, the current environment. Uh, we're very much constructive and like uh, banks and financials, uh, banks specifically, Sberbank and, and TCS as well. Results were very strong, um, absolutely, uh, record earnings. However, immediately after that, um, the owner, Alek Tinkoff, uh, announced uh, an accelerated book building and placed about $150 million worth stocks on, on the market. That's why there is so much volatility right now out there. The stock is strong, fundamentals are um, uh, superb. This is one of the examples where it's going the right direction. Uh, but um, there is this um, um, owner tends to uh, buy low, sell high. So some investors realize that by um, um, playing uh, TCS, they are sometimes uh, sort of playing against uh, Tinkoff himself. And that makes some people uncomfortable because whenever the stock is going higher, uh, you suddenly get a placement from the owner. And uh, when the stock is hitting lows on, on whatever Russia risks or just global risks, Tinkoff usually is um, uh, buying uh, back the stock. So that's a little bit um, uncomfort uh, that some investors are displaying, talking about TCS. Uh, usually they prefer just playing market supply and demand rather than be, uh, you know, having, having someone else, uh, someone big, playing into it as well. And Sparebank, I mean, that's another story where the bank is trying to pay this 50% in dividends. And again, they've hinted that the dividend payment this year is going to go up. But I don't think anyone thinks that they're going to get to 50% this year, maybe next year. What, what about Spare? Uh, Spare is great, uh, very inexpensive, about five times price earnings. Hasn't been there for a while, below one times uh, book. Uh, outstanding uh, valuations, very high return on equity, 23% plus. Um, the issue with Sber, yes, we expect slightly below 50% payout. Uh, that would be around 48% for this year and increasing uh, into next year uh, to up to 50%. Um, it's it's a high dividend stock. It's it's uh, almost nine percent in terms of dividends. But again, people uh, and global investors, the largest investors in the world, need to see that the bank is willing. Well, obviously, everybody realizes that it's capable of paying, but that this company will definitely pay uh, that much. And then um, I believe it it can easily re-rate uh, because as soon as that happens, it goes immediately into the screens of all the dividend hunters in the world, and I think uh, it will not go unnoticed. 
Uh, one very last, very quick question. Uh, Russell, um, that stock got absolutely smashed by the sanctions last year <clears throat> in April. However, um, now the sanctions have been dropped, and I think it's about to be included into the MSCI index. Um, and I read somewhere that just it's holding the stake it owns in Norilsk Nickel is worth more than the valuation of the company itself. I mean, is there any chance of, you know, it's trading around three, three and a bit, um, but it floated at 11 Hong Kong dollars. Uh, is there any chance of that, that stock actually re-rating back to a valuation more in keeping with its, its fundamental value? Yeah, we definitely believe so. Actually, actually, in our active uh, uh, trade ideas, we have got a very aggressive buy on uh, Rusal. You're right. Um, the business of the company is uh, uh, accounting for the stake in Norilsk is negative about three billion dollars, and potentially the stock can be included uh, at some point in the MSCI, perhaps as early as May. Uh, yeah, we like it very much. Uh, we think this year, especially given the low base effect of the previous one, will show that Rusal is capable um, of uh, delivering uh, very strong results, uh, showing growth. Uh, we expect uh, its bonds, its uh, its bond rating to be increased soon as well. Uh, so it's it's a very solid stock. It's about the right time to be to be buying it. We believe. Right. Slava, thank you very much. That was very interesting. Um, I hope to talk to you again about this next week, yeah? My pleasure, Ben.